When I was a kid, people used to drive from L.A. to Las Vegas for the weekend. It was a five or six hour drive on a gently rolling road through the desert. It was indeed beautiful. There were areas with scattered Joshua trees. But once people got to Las Vegas, they were hit with bright lights that shined 24-7. The casinos back then would give people free food and cheap rooms, anything to lure them inside to gamble. My parents never went there. They believed that gambling was evil. I still believe this. Proverbs 13.11 says this, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. This is from the English Standard Version. A better translation for a modern reader is the New King James Version. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. The lesson, of course, is that God blesses those who put in honest labor for their income. But when we gather money by mistreating or cheating others, we certainly are not blessed. It's amazing how relevant ancient proverbs are today. It's the house that profits from gambling. Those casinos in Las Vegas... They're the ones that to this day gain their wealth dishonestly by exploiting the compulsion that some people have to gamble. There is something about the rush of taking money that you need in order to take care of yourself or your family and then risking the loss of it in a split second. That's what the casinos count on. I had a friend whose father was a gambler. He would go off to Las Vegas several times a year. This is when I was a little boy. I remember once being in my friend's house and not understanding why my friend's mother was so upset that her husband was leaving to go watch a show in Las Vegas and maybe do a little golfing, he said. Well, as I learned over time, he was really going there to gamble. He would lose every time. And apparently, his family suffered as a result. One day when I was playing with my friend in his room, I heard his parents arguing. He was about to leave on one of his trips to Las Vegas. They were talking loudly. I remember it scaring me. Then suddenly, my friend's mother yelled out, If you leave here, don't come back. I'll get back to this. One thing that's been bothering me a lot lately is the recent barrage of commercials on TV encouraging us to gamble online via our cell phones. These commercials occur in the middle of NFL games. They are outlandish and lavish, showing a man dressed up as Caesar with thousands of people essentially worshiping him as he proclaims in a loud voice that we should all get on our phones right now, install his gambling app, 
and start placing bets. We can bet not just on the outcome of games, apparently, but also on the instantaneous outcome of individual plays. It's a disturbing, disgusting attempt at drawing in people who cannot control their compulsions to get them to lose vast amounts of money, well, in seconds. Clearly, the goal is to recruit an entire new generation of young gamblers. There's a new Las Vegas out there, and it's everywhere. You don't have to do what my friend's father did and get in your car and drive to Las Vegas. You can gamble anytime, all the time. Psalm 22 is often used on Good Friday when we commemorate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It begins with an agonized call for help. The psalmist faces death and the words of the psalm alternate between total desperation and full trust in God. There are several places in the psalm that seem to have strong parallels to the death of Jesus. Here's the beginning which sounds very much like Jesus crying out to God the Father upon the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. The psalmist declares that people seek his death, his eradication. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by my people. All who seek me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. When death seems close, the psalmist declares this. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among me, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now how about that? At the bitter end when some human is suffering, beyond belief. What happens? They cast lots for his clothing, which they would later do after Jesus died on the cross. That's how humans treated each other back then. And this is how humans still treat each other right now. That's how powerful the urge to gamble is. It overwhelms our human decency. This is indeed what happens after Jesus dies, as told in Matthew chapter 27. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Godatha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. I'm concerned about the state of our society, 
that we would glorify the use of technology to earn money in evil ways. It's politically incorrect to call anything evil. If something is technologically doable, then it's okay to do. By definition, if it doesn't involve any actual physical violence, there's nothing wrong with it. The good news is that only a minority of our society is likely to be caught up in this new instantaneous global age of gambling. But sadly, it will be young people, those who have already been programmed to live according to the demands of their digital devices. Of course, gambling isn't the only problem. We're all being told to minimize our carbon footprint in order to protect the world. We're supposed to stop burning fossil fuels. But if you have money, the rules don't apply to you. Just one rocket launch where a billionaire can entertain himself by spending a few minutes in orbit creates about 300 tons of carbon dioxide. In minutes, this dwarfs the annual output of hundreds of cars. It's as much carbon dioxide as gets produced flying several hundred people from the U.S. to Europe. Space tourism is supposed to really take off. Hundreds of these flights will apparently occur every year. But of course, you need to be wealthy to be on one of them. Just as we see with gambling, if you can do it technologically, it's perfectly fine. The truth, though, is that all of us are guilty. Clothing workers in Asia, the people who make the things we wear, earn tiny amounts of money, and it's estimated that the large majority of them don't get enough to eat, at least not by our standards. These are people in Cambodia, Bangladesh, El Salvador, Ethiopia, Haiti, India, Indonesia, and Myanmar. Cobalt and lithium is mined for our computers and our electric car batteries in places like the Congo and Chile. And yes, the people doing this work are often poorly paid. Many of them are children. And the folks who get rich are, for the most part, in the U.S. and Europe. But I'm not really here to lay a guilt trip on you. There is hope, and it lies in remembering that there are global truths and global, never-changing moral laws. Let me read to you the last 10 verses of Psalm 22. The author is calling out to God. Even in his desperation, listen to what the psalmist says. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All of you, offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great Congregation, my vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Prosperity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to people yet unborn that he has done it. The author still has faith. The author has hope that future generations will maintain their faith in God. The psalmist refers to the offspring of Jacob, the son of Abraham. We are the spiritual descendants of Jacob. It's not really known when the psalm was written, but certainly a good 500 years before Jesus lived. The author of the psalm holds out hope, holds out faith that we will not succumb to the corruption that has ensnared his society. It is up to us. I'm completely serious. We need to stick to our beliefs. We need to teach others that we know what is true. We are not people who cast lots for the clothing of people who have just been killed. We do face a dramatic challenge. It's very hard to understand the global impact of what we do day by day. But here's a very good metric that can be used to decide if you're living the way God wants us to live. Does what we are doing today truly reflect our desire to model our lives on the life of Jesus. I'd like to get back to my friend whose father liked to go to Las Vegas. I truly thought at the time that he went there to watch shows and relax. I was taught that gambling was evil and I was a very innocent kid. And so it would never have occurred to me that my friend's father was going there to gamble. Let's call my friend Danny. I don't remember how many siblings he had, but it was a big family, maybe five kids. They lived in a small house with kids sharing bedrooms. I do remember that their car was often broken. When Danny's mother shouted that if Danny's father was going to go to Las Vegas, he shouldn't come back, I noticed that Danny looked startled, even a bit scared. A couple of his siblings were there. They stopped what they were doing. No one said anything. Then Danny's father asked his wife if she really meant that. He sounded nervous, and I started to feel scared. She said, yes. Danny's father did not go anywhere. He stayed home. It was a while before the tension in the house lessened. But by the end of the day, and I think it was a Saturday, Danny's dad was in the backyard playing catch with the two of us. Let me say one thing about gambling. Wendy and I have known one couple for over 30 years. Our grown kids are about the same age. They are hardworking, extremely honest people who have raised their kids to live the same way that our kids live. Periodically, though, this man that we know, the husband, goes to Las Vegas. 
where he spends a very small amount of money entertaining himself gambling. That is obviously perfectly fine. What is wrong are all the people in our society right now who are making money fraudulently, exploiting people's weaknesses, and in no way making our society a better place for all of us to live. In the Gospel of Mark, just after he challenges us to follow him and predicts his own death, Jesus says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul?